Okay, so you have a small business that you need to market, but you're not a marketer. So now what? Where do you start and what are you even supposed to do? Well, meet Engie. Engie is marketing software that simplifies marketing for small business owners. You can plan, organize, and get your marketing out the door and in front of your next customers fast. The best news? Engie is turning one on May 8th, so you can make marketing way more manageable for yourself for only $19 a month for your first year with the code BDAY. But don't wait. This offer ends on May 31st. Samantha Welker, and I am here on my own today, but I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode with Christina Furnival. She, I thought was great. Um, I really liked what she had to say about social media and mental health, and it was really interesting to get her take on things as a new blogger. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, highly recommend it. It was a good, I think a good first episode, good way to get back into 2020. I had mentioned before of the start of this new year that I wanted to do a mailbag episode. So I put up a Google form uh, so you could submit your questions. And then I also did it on Instagram stories a couple times thinking like (laughs) you guys would submit a few questions and that would be that. Uh, You guys submitted a shit ton of questions. (laughs) So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to pick them at random because I don't have time to do all of them right now. So if I don't get to yours today or you don't hear it, don't worry. It will be coming in the future, just not today. So I almost like wrote them all down on little scraps of paper to like really do it random. But instead, I'm just going to close my eyes and click. So, (laughs) okay, here we go. And these are all anonymous. Um, Even if you did them on stories, I won't I won't say who you are. (laughs) Uh, So the first question is how do you know when you should make the switch from contractors to real employees? And that's a good question. <laughs> it's a it's a one that could definitely be its own whole entire episode because it's it's a little bit of a clusterfuck. Um, especially since they just introduced that AB five law that went into effect on January first. So if you don't know, um, the AB five law is geared towards freelancers and making sure that people who are doing freelance work are getting paid properly. Okay, let me back up. So if you're unsure uh, between the two, if you have contractors or if you have employees, like the very, very basics. So the difference is, is that uh, with an employee, the company withholds income tax, social security, Medicare, and all that shit from uh, the wages that you're paid. But for an independent contractor, The company doesn't withhold anything. You get taxed on that money, but they do not, which is why a lot of places really like having contractors. It's cheaper for them, but more expensive for you. Um, But now, so they have the ABC test, which is something that you can use to determine if you should have contractors or if you should have employees. So A is 
They're free from the control of the hiring entity that they typically exercise over their employees. So meaning that the work that they hire you for, they're not telling you how to do it. They're not telling you when to do it. You're literally just delivering a finished result. B is that the work that they're doing is not integral to their operations. So HR, finance, uh, things that make the company run, you can't have independent contractors doing those. Those have to be employees. And then C is that the contractor is regularly doing work that's the same nature as the work that they're getting hired to do for the employer, if that makes sense. So let's say, for example, you're a florist and a company reaches out to you to do, I don't know, customer service work for them. So let's just say that. It only works if you're always doing customer service work. So if you're doing two totally different things, they have to hire you as an employee because it doesn't make sense for a florist who doesn't do any customer service work to be doing customer service work just for them as a contractor. I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't, let me know. We can do a whole episode on it if we need to. Uh, I know it's kind of convoluted and it to be honest, would be an incredibly boring episode. But if you feel like you would benefit from it, just let me know. Uh, Last thing I'll say on this, not everybody falls under this AB5 law. So people like graphic designers and artists and marketing professionals are usually the type of jobs that are exempt from this and they can keep their independent contractor uh, relationships. So you guys are safe. Good for you. Okay, next question. Uh, What kind of things should you refresh as your business grows, like your branding, website, etc.? So you already said a few of them. So there's two sides of it. There are external things that you should be refreshing, and then there are internal things that you should be refreshing as your brand grows. The external is that branding and social media and website and everything that's forward-facing to your customers. I feel like products and if you're doing things like that, That's kind of a given, like, yes, this should always be evolving and whatnot. But I think it's easy for a lot of brands to just kind of get, you know, in their rhythm and get going, and then they kind of forget about those things that they need to update because you want it to always be evolving and growing along with you as a brand. Like, nobody wants to look at a stagnant website. I shit you not, you guys. I think my neighbor just started using a wood chipper. (laughs) So I'm sorry. I swear I'm more professional than this. (laughs) But things like your copy on your website, those are things that you should be updating, that you should be making sure is fresh and that it's new and that you're always up to date with what your values are, what your mission is and what you're putting out there. I know it's easier to do on social media because it's more of like a a day-to-day timeline, whereas your website, it can get forgotten about. And I think I've noticed a lot of people, I'll go to their website and it's kind of like, oh, okay, that's an old picture or that's old copy. And it it almost just kind of gives you a bad taste in your mouth as a consumer. But seeing a brand that is making sure everything is up to date, like their branding, their websites, their social media, I think that's really impressive. The other thing I'll say is that you don't need to do a complete rebrand because, well, A, rebrands are really fucking expensive. And B, you know, if you have spent X amount of years building up your brand recognition, to go and totally change that on your your customers and your audience is kind of a mindfuck. So there's no need to 
to reinvent the wheel, I guess, is the best way to say it. You know, if you love your branding and you don't want to change it, but you're like, oh, I've had it for a while. Should I? I wouldn't worry about that pressure. Sure. Update your logo. Give it a little minor tweak. You know, maybe you could implement a new color palette. But if you have branding that is really recognizable, I wouldn't mess with it. I think a good example of that uh, is Bando. They Their branding is very recognizable. It's very true to them. And if they went and suddenly worked with like a neutral color palette, you'd be like, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> Sorry, I had a nitro cold brew and I think it's making me cuss a lot. I don't, it's, I, I don't know, guys. <laughs> uh, but internally, things that you should always be refreshing. We've talked about this before. Contracts, employee handbooks, documented processes, they're all living documents. And I think they get neglected a lot more than they should because we just get caught up, right? So people get new job responsibilities or we change a process, but it doesn't get updated in the back end on a contract or in a documented procedure because we're just busy and it just slips through the cracks and it happens. But highly recommend making sure that you are as on top of that shit as you can possibly be because it makes everything easier for your team in regards to the processes and also covers your ass with contracts. Okay, the next question is, how do I grow my brand on social media? And that's a loaded question (laughs) because I think we could do, you know, a whole entire series on social media and growing your brand. And it's something that everybody talks about and it's a big concern, I think, for all business owners. But for the sake of time, let's just bullet point a few things that I think are really crucial for growing your brand. And again, this is something that I talked about recently. Uh, I think on last week's episode with Christina, we talked about how important Instagram stories are. You know, the way that the Instagram algorithm works, it's not the same. We know that. We know that it's not the same as it once was before when brands were first starting out. Everything was chronological. You could post your picture. Everybody that followed you would see it. They would engage on it if they wanted to. And now it's just a, you know, it's a shot in the dark. You don't know if anybody's going to see what you're posting. Stories seem to have just a bit more uh, reliability to them. And it was like what we talked about last week where, you know, you want to curate a beautiful feed because you know that's what's going to get the likes. You know that's what's going to get the engagement. People aren't interested in real life on the feed. It sucks, but it's true. It's just, I don't know if it's conscious or subconscious, whatever, but people will scroll past things that don't register in their brain as, ooh, that's aesthetically pleasing. So, you know, I think Instagram stories are really, really crucial for any brand that's trying to grow, especially if authenticity is a value that's important to you. So that kind of goes into the next point, which is, I believe that every business owner should be a forward-facing brand. So this means that your audience should know your face. I know a lot of people that struggle to do it. And the people who do it well, it really does seem like a full-time job. Like, are they always on their phones? But I think there's a way that you can work around it to where you can still have your audience familiar with who you are and what you believe in and your values simply by showing your face couple times a week. You know, it doesn't have to be these huge, long talking head stories. I think it's just getting that quote unquote face to face time. 
because it helps people see that you're a real person. So if you're a brand that's selling a product or you have a service or you're a blogger, like people need to know that you're not some faceless, nameless brand that they can be an asshole to. (laughs) And that kind of goes in with the Instagram stories, you know. It's interesting because you'll find, unless you are like a fashion blogger or something where everything you post is forward-facing, it seems like people don't like pictures of people on the feed. I don't know. People are so fucking weird. But in Instagram stories, you can be more relaxed and you can be more natural and it doesn't have to be so perfectly curated and intense, I guess is the word I'm trying to think of. Use your Instagram stories to be more forward-facing, to show your face, to connect with your audience. It might not help overnight, but trust me, it will help you grow if you do it consistently. And that's another important thing is consistency. Showing your face once and then dropping off the planet isn't going to do you any good in growing the brand. And the next thing that I think you can do to grow your brand on social media is keeping track of your analytics. And I love this because I'm a numbers nerd. (laughs) I was actually trying to explain social media analytics to my dad the other night, and it was a crack up. It was definitely an an okay boomer moment. (laughs) But running just even basic analytics is so incredibly helpful for when you're trying to figure out what's working and what's not working. And don't just do it once and then drop it. Like don't film a video of yourself and then think, oh, okay, I showed my face once. I'm done. No, you need a you need a larger sample set of data. <laughs> so try something for a couple weeks and then see how it's doing. We have all those beautiful analytics on the back end of Instagram. So utilize them. See what's reaching people. Was using hashtags getting you more impressions? Was there a certain style of picture that was getting more likes on your feed? When you had your stories and you had more talking head stuff, did you get more profile clicks? There's so many things you can look at. And once you kind of get into it, you might nerd out. You know, it's it's pretty fascinating, the cause and effect of what gets people to act. It's called a call to action for a reason. Dive into those analytics. Do some research, you know, form a hypothesis. Write a, what is the word? <laughs> trying to think of like middle school science papers. It's been a long time, but just really dig into those numbers and you'll start to see what's working and what's not working. And then you can kind of adjust from there. I highly recommend the same thing for your website. You know, see where your traffic's coming from. Is it coming from Pinterest? Is it coming from Instagram? Is it coming from referral? Like using Google Analytics on the back end is your best friend to see what's working, what's getting people in the door, quote unquote, and on your website to convert. Okay, so the next question I have here is, I need to write a business plan. Do I need to hire a lawyer? The short answer is no. So, you know, a lot of matters in small business are actually pretty straightforward, and they're really not that difficult to learn and understand. Lawyers are expensive, you guys. (laughs) They're like at least 200 bucks an hour, and you're already spending enough money as it is running a business. So, Save yourself some cash and just do the research on your own. You know, there are a lot of great resources out there that can help you put together a business plan or help you kind of figure out how to set up an LLC or get your business licenses, your permits. Uh, The internet is a vast pit of knowledge (laughs) and it can save you a lot of money if you just take the time to kind of research it. 
The only time I really would say you need to have like a business lawyer where they can look over anything for you is when you have like former or, you know, current or prospective employees that are are suing you, uh, definitely want to get a lawyer for that or threatening to sue you. If you're, you know, going to sell any part of the business or you're going to go through an acquisition, definitely have a lawyer for that. And, you know, say you want to make like a special allocation of your your profits and losses or you want to contribute property to your partnership or your LLC, like putting money into the business. Yes, get a lawyer. The thing about needing a lawyer for your small business is your emphasis should be placed on preventing things from happening where you would need a lawyer in the first place, right? You should have contracts in place and you should have employee agreements that protect you. But all of these, they're pretty templated. You can go on Rocket Lawyer or LegalZoom and find ones that will cover your ass because likely they've been written by a lawyer anyways. But, you know, if you really, if you're unsure or you're not confident enough about your own online research sleuthing skills, (laughs) like try making the contract or, you know, whatever it is that you're looking to do, the business plan, and then you could always hire an attorney to look it over, like on a consultation basis, if you just need that peace of mind. Okay, next question. Do I still need a blog for my business? I literally don't have the time. Girl, I feel that. (laughs) My answer is it depends because I'm inclined to say yes, just because of all the benefits that blogging does kind of provide for your business. But I also understand utilizing that time, you know, you your time is precious and if you feel like blogging is going to be just a waste of it, you're going to you're not going to do it. You're not going to put it on your to-do list. You're going to avoid it. It's never going to get done. So if you're feeling negatively about it, either outsource it or just forget it. I think blogging provides a lot of value to businesses uh in a certain in, in a couple different ways because one of the things that it does is it establishes credibility and, you know, your position as a thought leader in the industry. I think someone who does a really good example of this is, uh, I don't know if I'm saying their name right, Vitruvi. I have their essential oil diffuser. It's beautiful. Their products are beautiful. (laughs) Um, If you know who I'm talking about, I'll put it in the show notes just in case. But Vitruvi does a great job of combining their products, and then they also have this wellness blog that incorporates essential oils and all of the things that they're selling to you in a really natural and organic way. So go look at them and see what they're doing because I think they're a really, really good example of someone who's not a blogger, but is using blogging to support their platform and to increase their sales. Like I go to their website and I'm like, oh shit, you guys are smart. I'm gonna buy some oils from you. The other benefit I would say for blogging for business is that SEO bump that you get because if you are creating content that is getting clicks or you're keywording it to where it's popping up in those Google search results, it's just driving traffic to your website. So if you have a certain type of product that, you know, maybe there are other people out there selling your product, yeah, start blogging. Or you're a florist who is looking to increase your traffic to your website just from SEO results. Start blogging about wedding trends or about not just 
the weddings that you've done, but things that are, people are going to search for. And we really need to do a whole episode on SEO because it really is complex and it really is something that is just going to continue to grow as you know we continue on in this internet-based world. <laughs> so I promise we will do that soon. But for SEO purposes, yes, I think blogging for a business is incredibly valuable. You can outsource blogging. That's something you can hire a virtual assistant to do. They can be an independent contractor. <laughs> so if you really think you would benefit from it, but you just can't stand the idea of having to do it, outsource it. Okay, I like this question. I hate social media with a burning passion. Same, but same. <laughs> uh, but I feel like I have to have it if I want to grow my company. What would you do if you were me? So I was actually just talking to my friend Meryl about this yesterday. And it's so funny because, you know, I have all these friendships that I wouldn't have if it weren't for social media because I met people through Instagram and through that world. And then my job, like you guys probably wouldn't be here listening to this podcast if I didn't have social media. You wouldn't be reading Glitter Guide because you wouldn't have found it through Instagram or Pinterest. So it's this, I have a love-hate relationship with it, just like you guys do, because you have heard me talk about how I feel about the, the curated culture. So I'm going to start calling it the curated culture and how people are putting out, you know, these perfect little squares and fuck all of that because it's bullshit. But yes, you do. I mean, you do need it for your business these days. It's very rare that you have the type of business that wouldn't benefit from social media. Few thoughts. Pick and choose, right? You don't have to be on every single social media platform. Nobody has the time unless you have a full-time social media manager. And if you do, you know, good on you. You're crushing it. But if it's just you or you have like part-time help with social media, you don't need to be on every platform because chances are your audience isn't on every platform. So that's where you have to start is figuring out where are your people? Are they on Pinterest or are they on Instagram? Are they on Facebook because they're old? Just kidding. Don't be offended. Uh, you know, I mean, there are a ton of brands who are popular and they're not on Twitter because what good would it be for them to be on Twitter? So pick and choose. Find out where your audience is and then focus your time there. If you have less platforms to deal with, you might hate it a little less. <laughs> but that way, too, you won't be feeling like you're overextended and that you're just wasting time putting words out into the internet that nobody's listening to. Another piece of advice that I'd have is to use a scheduling app, um, especially for Instagram. You can use them for Pinterest too. I think they're great for Pinterest. Tailwind, I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, but using a scheduling platform for things like Instagram or Facebook, you know, you can schedule feed posts and now you can schedule stories. So if you don't want to be tethered to your phone all the time, just make it a task that you do at the beginning of the week. Put in your content, put in your posts, put in your stories, map it all out, what you want to do for that week, what your focus is, schedule it, and then walk away. You should still engage, you know, as those posts come up and people are commenting or asking questions or whatever. Uh, engaging at a live rate is good. But that way, at least you're not going to feel like you're constantly tethered to your device and that you're like never putting your fucking phone down because we've been there. And then again, you know, another good option is to outsource it. It really is not that much money, you guys, to get a virtual assistant who can 
write copy for you or be your community person on there so they can log into your accounts and kind of act as you responding to comments, searching out hashtags, engaging with accounts that could be potential followers or customers, you know, hire somebody to do it for like six hours a week, max, if that, like it does not need to be that much. I know, again, I hate it too. I hate it. I love it, but I hate it. <laughs> so I'm right there with you. But yeah, you you do have to incorporate it these days. So we got to find a way to work around it and see what works best for you. Okay, last question. And of course, my last question is probably the most boring one. Sorry to whoever submitted it. <laughs> uh, but very, very valuable, I think. So the question is, what kind of bookkeeping tasks do you recommend? Do you have a schedule? And girl, yes, you know I have a schedule. <laughs> How could I live my life without a bookkeeping schedule? But I do. And so I kind of break mine up into like a daily, a weekly, a monthly, and then a quarterly. Um, and quarterly, I kind of wrap into annually because just final quarter things, you know. So, okay. Daily at minimum, you should be looking at one, your cash on hand, and two, any payments going out and coming in. So your account's receivable, your account's payable, right? Go back to the finance series if you need a refresher. <laughs> but those are the two things you should be looking at every single day. And then, you know, weekly, um, I always recommend kind of going through and recording your payments, any sales that came through. Uh, preparing and sending invoices, reconciling your transactions. So if you use something like QuickBooks or Xero, go through once a week and categorize all of your transactions. I can't tell you how many people I've seen who've pulled up their QuickBooks for me and they're like, I don't get it. And they open it up and there's five fucking years of transactions in there and my head wants to explode. It's so much easier if you guys just do a little bit at a time. I promise, do it weekly and your world will be changed. You won't hate it as much, I swear. <laughs> and then, you know, monthly Monthly is pretty easy. You reconcile your accounts, balance the checkbook, uh, process your payroll, review your P&L every th 30 days, you guys. Do it on a rolling 30-day process. Review your profit and loss sheet and see how it's going. It doesn't have to be from the 1st to the 30th. Do it on a rolling 30 days so you can see what's coming in, what's going out, and make sure that everything's looking A-OK. -okay. And then, you know, quarterly, uh, quarterly you should be making your sales tax payments, your income tax payments, and then your payroll uh, tax payments if that's something that you have. And then at the beginning quarter of each new year, obviously you have tax shit. So IRS forms, your, your full year financial reports, your tax return stuff that you're getting ready to give to your accountant, uh, any of that kind of stuff. But the small steps I think are the most important when it comes to bookkeeping because I know it's not intuitive for a lot of people to look at finance or bookkeeping tasks and just be like, cool, this is something I want to do today. I know it's not. I know I'm in the minority there because I'm a giant nerd. But doing just like that daily check-in of your cash on hand and where your invoices are standing, very helpful. And then, of course, your weekly stuff just to make sure that you're on top of all those transactions and they're not piling up and you're not going to all of a sudden on April 14th have a heart attack. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Okay, guys, 
That is all the questions that I'm going to get through today. Honestly, I I probably have a, at least two or three more episodes of this <laughs> based on the amount of questions that you guys had. So I'm glad that we could do this, that I could go through and answer your questions. Um, if you if more come up or if I answered your question and, you know, you need follow up or further info, hit me up, send me a DM, email me. Uh, pretty okay pod at gmail.com or there's a contact form on the website and I promise I'll put um, a lot of the resources that I just talked about in the show notes today on pretty okay podcast.com that's okay and of course make sure you're following over on Instagram uh, it is the new year so if you haven't yet please head to iTunes and leave a rating and a review I will be your best friend if you do. I know that's promising a lot, but I mean it. (laughs) Okay, my poetic and noble land mermaids. I love you. I think you're doing great. (laughs) I, you are the Anne to my Leslie. If you don't get that reference, we have some things to talk about. But I will be back uh, next week. In the meantime, of course, like I said, email me or DM me if you have any questions or you need some help with anything. I'm always around to help you guys. So hit me up. You know where to find me. And I will talk to you guys soon. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.